In turbulent economic times, with TikTok-paced changes and trends, brands must pivot or die to stay relevant. In each episode, we explore brands who made successful pivots and those who didn't. This is Pivot or Die, How Brands Make It. Welcome to Two Peas on a Pod. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Alejandro. And this is a podcast where we talk about what it takes to launch a successful product line and key trends in the CPG space. Today, we have a very special guest, Sharon Amara, who is a buyer for a major beauty retailer. Many of our listeners are entrepreneurs who are working their buns off to impress people just like you, Sharon, and they want to land that major retailer. And we're so honored to hear the inside scoop directly from the buyer herself. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Alejandro. And thank you for having me on this podcast. Um, Super excited. Super excited. Nice. Well, let's launch in. We first wanted to know, how does a small brand get attention from major beauty retailers? Okay, <clears throat> so this is this is a tricky question because the way it is, is that within a retailer, you're sometimes looking to develop a specific concept or to grow a specific category. Sometimes we know what we're looking for. And then Mm -hmm. other times there are brands who are just doing it just so well on their own that we're like, okay, we need to jump in on this. We need to bring them aboard. We need, Mm. we need them to make, you know, the story. Also the beauty industry is massive, right? Yes. Um, so big find everything and everything today whether it's innovation whether it's you know it's catered to um a specific skin type a specific need a specific niche it's all there i think today um to attract major retailers it's about your audience obviously um it's about your concept it's about your story And it's also about, you know, like whether you like it or not, but it could also be based on your potential, of course, but um, the noise you're currently making. Oh, yeah, yeah. And do you mean by, um, do you mean like community building in terms of like your following? Is that what you're referring to? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's no secret potion and there's no secret like answer, do this, this and this, and this is what's going to work, you know? Right. Um, but it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's being a good match for that specific retailer. So there are, there are things that you evaluate when you are assessing whether someone like a brand, you know, is, is worth caring or not. You mentioned earlier that you, uh, you know, there's, you know, you are always constantly, um, evaluating which aspects and which, uh, categories of products should be, um, you know, grown and, and where, you know, you put your efforts towards, mm-hmm. do you ever, do you ever disclose that information to the audience? Are you like, ever, do, you, do you ever go somewhere and be like, Hey guys, we're looking for this kind of brand because we're looking for, no, it's you're, no. You're just kind of like, mm-hmm. no. Um, like I said, it's mostly, it's mostly of like where we're, what we're trying to do, where we're trying to be, what our goals are for next year, what our goals are internally, where we see um, us as a retailer in the next year. Right. What trends we see picking up, where we want to take it. And it's also a matter of looking at what these brands are currently doing as well. So it goes hand in hand, you know, like right. um, mm-hmm. if you see like a huge trend is being built around like uh, sexual wellness, femme care, um, people are jumping mm-hmm. in 
that um, they're being more conscious about um, products, especially in the femcare side of things, things that are being upcycled, things that are have a sustainability side to it. So mm-hmm. you see this as like growing and you're like, OK, this is maybe something we should also pay attention to. This is something we should also probably adopt. You know, mm-hmm. our consumers, she's or he is voicing this. They're voicing this. So um, it's a matter of like just analyzing the market, knowing who your customers are and being able to deliver that to your community. It sounds a lot like you're looking for those brands that can stand on their own and are already working. Like you want a sure fire bet, right? And I just was curious. I mean, my assumption is that you're heading to Instagram to go do your research and look at these things. Is that true? Or do you look at other platforms? Like what's your process like when you're looking for that next winner? So there's no process that's like implemented and it's like, okay, mm. I need to be on Instagram five hours a day or like, sure. oh, you know, I'm going to go on Instagram and start scrolling. It's more of like, once you're in the industry, it kind of like screams out to you in a sense. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's, you're part of the industry. You're, you're keen, you're interested in it. It's you live and breathe beauty, right? You see what's going on with your brands currently. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you kind of see what's going on out there. So it's a lot of um, internal report reporting systems. There's a lot of even like companies who share reports with us, mm. uh, consumer reports. Um, and of course, Instagram, social media has a huge play on play on it. PRs. Yeah. Um, the web, like articles, those mm-hmm. also go hand in hand. And then, you know, celebrity uh, endorsements, I mean, yeah. endorsements yeah. can also have a factor in it. Influencer marketing as mm-hmm. well. <clears throat> Do you so follow certain influencers? Hand. Do you follow certain influencers just to see what products they're using? If it's an influencer that's a beauty influencer that has like a large community, a large following, or even just seeks my like just piques my interest it could even be a micro influencer but i like the content that mm. they're sharing um yeah absolutely absolutely it's it's part of the it's part of knowing your industry and knowing you know what's going on it's I like, like a, my own instagram account like i have like a instagram yeah. account where i like literally curated followers that are just for beauty you know so that it doesn't Mm. ramp up my personal accounts that's meant for social um building and like my friends and family etc very cool you 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 mentioned earlier you know that you know you talk about these trends um do you can we get any get an insight scoop into any new trends that you're you you think are going to be happening in the new in this year or uh how is the industry changing yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And I mean, I think it, it'll probably fluctuate on who you ask because everyone has different opinions and, you know, we're not all fortune tellers. We can't see in the right. future. Um, but a big topic of discussion right now is, um, you know, during the during COVID, um, makeup was less, less had less of a presence, mm-hmm. um, had less of a pull uh, because people didn't really, you know, go out. They didn't see a use to putting on makeup Mm. Why? Because makeup has this <clears throat> reputation to only be results driven in the sense that it's like instant, mm. you know, mm. you want to cover up a pimple, you put a concealer on, you want to, sorry, a blemish, you put concealer on that, you mm-hmm. want to, um, 
look good for one night, you, you, you do your whole face, you're good to go. Um, but then now that we're out of, we're almost out of the pandemic and people are starting to go out a bit more showing face, you know, and I, sorry, I forgot to mention backtrack, um, during the pandemic, people were, you know, going more towards skincare, um, right. Care. I definitely did that, you know, <laughs> like instead of like short term, uh, right away effect, like instant gratification on your face, you would go into that long-term process to heal, to get that, you know, natural glow, natural, you know, perfect, uh, complexion. Um, and now that we're moving, you know, into the other side, I hope fingers crossed. Are we all hoping yeah. everyone's crossing their fingers and toes here. Yeah. So now that there's this pressure of like, you know, things are slowly but surely going back to normal. People are like, okay, like I've developed a routine now to do good for my skin. Mm. And now I'm going to put makeup on, but what is this makeup going to do? It's going to, if anything, reverse. So it's kind right. of putting pressure on makeup to try to come out with, it's what we're calling like the skinification of makeup. So mm-hmm. how is makeup going to use ingredients that are not, that are for the best of your skin? How are they, right. gonna, you know, what ingredients are they going to use that's going to still help you, still help generates that complexion and that healthy skin look. Oh man, I can imagine because, you know, imagine like going through all that, you know, the year and a half or two years of the pandemic and your skin looks amazing. It's glowing. It's feeling healthy. And then you're like, oh no, now I have to go back. And then you're used to having this glowing skin. You don't want to go back. That makes so much sense. I certainly have not been wearing as much makeup as I used to. I skipped my foundation. I put kind of more selective concealer instead. And yeah, yeah, so I definitely can see how that would be a thing. Yeah, so to take it back, just to do first full circle, I think with this transition, um, makeup now is probably is the trend is to have a foundation that is multi um, functional. Right. So not only is it gonna, let's say your foundation is gonna cover your blemishes or give you that complexion, it's also gonna have ingredients that are good for you. So it could have, you know, some AHAs, it could have some mm. vitamin C, um, it could, a lot of them are now jumping on the wagon of SPF. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. the whole idea of being multifunctional and Very good cool. for you, clean, um, staying away from certain ingredients that are considered not so good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so the pressure is on for makeup right now. That's exciting though, because it, I don't know why, I mean, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, people that think that way, I would assume are people that are also more eco-friendly. And I am a huge advocate for, you know, if you can make it sustainable, go for it. Um, you know, of course you have to think of overhead and that kind of thing, but in the end, like I'm, I'm all, you know, uh, Captain Planet here. I always think that people have, you know, what can do things in a better way. And I'm assuming that, you know, another trend that you that we're starting to see um, come up is, you know, jumping on the sustainability wagon yeah. um, is waterless uh, products. Right. We were talking about, uh, you know, how to get the attention of a beauty retailer, but okay, say you, you are now landed a, a contract with a major retailer. How do you maintain that great relationship? Like, how do you keep that? going so so there's there's two things i can tell you number one it's a partnership right so once you Mm. jump into into bed with a retailer it's your partner so um 
it needs to be an always an ongoing conversation of how how you could do better. The retailer has that perspective internally and sees what its audience wants, what it what it's yearning for, what it's asking for, what's working, what's not working. Listen to what the retailer is telling you. If the retailer is telling you, listen, like this is not working, you know, I recommend you doing this. It's something that it should be highly considered on your end because we have that visibility. You know, mm-hmm. we see what other brands are doing, what's working, what's not working, etc. So I think having that mindset that you guys are partners and you're working together to build the success for both your brand and the retailer, yeah. you know, ultimately goes hand in hand. That's one thing. And the mm-hmm. second thing that I feel like some things are kind of over, over, overseen is that once you're in a retailer, it doesn't just stop there. Mm. You know, there's a lot of work to be put in place. It's not just, okay, yay, I landed the number one beauty retailer in, in, in North America or be it in the world. Like now I could sit back and made it. No, this is when the work starts. You know, there's a right. lot of work that needs to be put into it. Um, and, you know, taking it back to just strategy, it, there's there's an always on, you always have to have an always on strategy. What does that mean? 360 calendar, like 360 optimization. If you're launching something, you need to work on the pre-launch. You need to work on the launch. You need to work even on post-launch. You always need to be activating within that retailer. Right. Mm -hmm. And the misconception is a lot of people will be like, oh, okay, well, now I'm in this retailer. They're going to do all the work for me. (laughs) No, definitely not. You know, highly competitive, even within that retailer, you need to own your space. You need to, to, to voice that, um, who you are. You need to voice your POD, your point of differences, your story, um, what makes your product better? What makes, you know, and there's a lot of brands that are doing really well at it. And I'm sure you guys can outright, like you can name five of them off the top of your head because they're hitting, they're nailing it down within the retailer. Yes, it is. It is. so interesting because you know it is true. People assume, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get it. I, now my product is being carried in this big name household, uh, you know, company. And the reality is that no, you're you're still sharing space with other brands who also have different offerings, who also have a great product. So it is very important that you, yeah, the the, the you know the retailer is not gonna do the job for you. That's for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know we see often that like there's such great product. You know, we try a lot of products like. Mm-hmm. I can show you my office right now. It's filled with products, but um, <laughs> there's really good products out there. And it's, it's kind of sucks because there's good products, but the, 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 the backing behind it is not there. So sure. it's not getting into the hands of, of, of the client because mm-hmm. they're not voicing their voices as strong as they could. You know, so that's, that story, which we would, you that know, marketing. think is part of their, their brand. Yeah. Their marketing. That's that essence of the company. Well, I can see how if you had, you know, uh, only one photo shoot a year and that was your, you know, you update your display within a major beauty retailer once a year, there's other brands that are doing it three times a quarter or whatever. So it's like, I get it. I get that the, the it's, it's high, but you need high budgets, you know, it's expensive. It's very expensive. It's, and that's also overseen, but it's just thinking smart. Also, it's, understanding you know within some retailers there's a lot of different um actions that you could take whether it's sampling whether it's education 
whether it's store presence, um, mm-hmm. whether it's paid media, influencer marketing that's directing it back to the retailer that you're carrying it with. Yeah. It's about working smartly, whether or not your strategy is to be in all retailers, whether you want that exclusivity with that one retailer. That's also things that you need to consider. Right. Exclusivity to me, I think is is the best way to start because what happens mm. when you're exclusive to one retailer, that retailer looks at you and prioritizes you. Right. Mm. That's an amazing tip actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, building that, always having that ongoing conversation with, your buyer or your merchant um, of what can you do? What can you do? And what, what can you put your dollars towards? Yeah. Right. And everything's a test and trial as well, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and like I said, it doesn't end at just jumping in to bed with a retailer and thinking it's uh, going it, to go. It's done. <laughs> yeah. When brands want to launch a new product within their product line, like after they've been approved for a certain product line like i'm sure there are times where you take a certain line but not another from the same brand or do they just get kind of free for all when it comes to what they want to promote within their section um yeah absolutely i mean if they're launching something new and we're on board with it um mm-hmm. then absolutely like it, it, it the, the way it, lo- it works in beauty and um, in the industry is that you have your core business and then you're always layering in a few newness just to keep, you know, reviving your assortment, reviving and staying with innovative products or with the trends, with a new ingredient that seems to have picked up. Um, it's a matter of like kind of spreading yourself thin with your investments as well. So always knowing what your hero products are yeah, um, and pushing those because, you know, that's what you're known for and then layering in your newness. Mm-hmm. Uh, products or new launches. We always tell our clients who were launching products, you know, like start small and make those small products, you know, really, you know, spend your time and efforts in making them as perfect as you can. Make sure there's a backstory behind each product and then from there expand. Uh, and I mean, I think that it is, it just makes so much more sense. Um, we don't need more yeah, so- options in this world. We need best, the best ones. The right? best exactly. One. And, and the success of a lot of brands comes from starting with that one product so for example mm-hmm. summer fridays the jet lag mask absolutely you know, they started mm-hmm. with that one highly lip kit whatever highly right? lip kit she started with her lip kits i mean now she's grown into even mm-hmm. the baby industry like the baby care mm-hmm. uh, baby makeup stuff. just kidding yeah. <laughs> baby makeup, yeah. <laughs> that's the new trend guys they need pictures no, don't yeah. how, to, how to contour your baby for best photos <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I didn't make your eyelashes longer. I know. <laughs> That's it's awesome. Not- I feel like we learned so much from you today. Thank you so much for sharing your inside tips. And um, yeah, My we just wanted to leave with like, are the, what are your top brands that you're really excited about right now or that you're, I don't know, anything big coming out that you're excited about? I'm not going to say top brands, um, but I am going to say watch out. Um, There's a new category that's going to sweep you guys off your feet. Mm. Um, Something that, you know, it's taking it's something that's been over. Like you've been going to your pharmacy to get it. But how conscious are you of this product that you're buying? You know, Um, where can you take sexual wellness to? What's the next level? Um, Mm. What are things that you're putting on? Uh, your skin when you're um, carrying a baby. 
Um, right. That whole that whole space is going to just explode very soon, and it's going to change the even the conception. So back to sexual wellness, like you know, it's just I think it's the conception of it being taboo is just going to kind of steer right. to another uh, angle right now. And there's a lot of cool and fun brands that are tackling this and that are really going to change, like I said, the the perception. That's it's awesome. So cool. That sounds really exciting. I can't um, wait. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sharon, for your time. And, and we loved speaking to you about all these, uh, you know, beauty and wellness tips and tricks and, and, uh, yeah. And most importantly, you know, what the perspective is from a major, major retailer when it comes to thinking about what product to carry on their stores. Absolutely. My pleasure. This was fun. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. All right. I'll... Thanks for having me.